The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. And each week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, come to you with information that will help you navigate issues in healthcare and open your eyes to what's happening in our country, in our society with regard to healthcare and the impact on all of that on your health and on that of your family. This show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Our organization stands for the doctor-patient relationship as well as healthcare freedom for all Americans. The show is um, here to help give you the tools that you need to fight for yourself and for your family. And for us to be able to give you those tools, it takes money. And I've asked every time I'm on the show for people to help us. And I'm going to really stop doing this because I feel like it's falling on deaf ears. But I can't tell you how important it is in this environment right now where foundation money is drying up and the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is in serious trouble and we need your help. So please go to our website. Go to the donate button or go to the Honor Felicia Horton um, uh, 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 it's a splash page that's on the website that will take you to a donation page. Our former departed executive director whose heart and soul was poured into the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. She does not want, she would not want to see our organization go down and, and, and die for lack of funds. So we need your help. Please give generously and, um, and, Make sure that you still have time to give your tax-deductible donation in in 2022. That's right. It's tax-deductible. And uh, if you're looking for um, some uh, organizations, charities to uh, make last-minute donations to, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation should be on the top of your list if you enjoy listening to this show. So please help us out today. Um, I want to wish everybody happy holiday season. I hope that everyone had a very Merry Christmas. You know, this show is not about, uh, is, is not shy about using terms that the left doesn't want us to use. Um, and so we are not afraid to talk about, about God and about, uh, values on this show or on any show on this station for that matter. So I hope that everyone had a very, very uh, merry and meaningful Christmas, a very happy Hanukkah season, and I'm uh, wanting to wish all of the loyal listeners of this show a very happy, healthy, and productive new year. Um, I hope that 2023 turns out to be better than 2022. It's been a rough several years, and uh, I would not be here today if I did not have 
optimism that the future would be better than the present is right now. Um, I <clears throat> have given a lot of thought to the show that I'm going to uh, do today. And in thinking about things, I was able to crystallize what really is happening and put things together to connect the dots. And the theme of today's show is the left and the war that the left is waging on our society. And they are doing it through their major tool, which is wokeism. And wokeism is not an ideology. It is a tool. It is a... um, It's it's a a mechanism that the left has employed to advance their agenda. Let me let me um, backtrack. I want to share with you a a medical case. I want to I want to. This is totally de-identified, so we don't have to worry about a HIPAA violation. But this past week. I had a patient in my office, and many of you know that I'm a pediatric urologist. I've um, I've shared that information many, many, many times over the years, <clears throat> and um, and I had an experience in my office this past week that I never had before in over a 35 year career. And it is tied to what we're going to talk about today. I had a 10-year-old biological male in my office who was referred to me by an endocrinologist because this patient, who identifies now as a girl, had an undescended testicle. Now, let me just explain to you what, what that's all about. So, in, in my specialty, we see many boys who were born with a testicle that has not descended from the abdomen where the testicle forms into the scrotum. And that should have happened <clears throat> during the third trimester of development. But many babies are born where the testicle has not <clears throat> descended. <clears throat> and and uh, if it has not come down at birth, we watch them for a short period of time because there's still a possibility that it may descend during the first six months of life. If it does not, then the standard of care is to relocate that testicle, move it down from wherever it is stuck, so to speak, and and move it down into the scrotum and secure it down in place where it belongs. The reasons why we do that are so that the testicle will function properly, and grow properly because if it's not located in the scrotum, the testicle will not develop and it will not function properly. It will have hormone function, 
it will produce testosterone, but it will not produce sperm. Those are the two functions of the testicle. And so the earlier we bring the testicle down, the better the testicle will do, the the more likely the testicle will achieve its function. The longer the testicle is not in the right place, then the more damage is done to it and the um, less healthy it will be. <clears throat> we, we If we don't bring down testicles by a certain age, usually by puberty, well, then the likelihood of the testicle having any ability to produce sperm is virtually zero, although it still retains hormone-producing function. We used to take out testicles in teenage boys that were not in the scrotum when they came to a slate when they were missed. And there's a lot of reasons why testicles could be missed early on and not um, and not down in the scrotum. Nowadays, we realize that we can bring them down and have the patients responsible for monitoring their testicles because another reason we bring down testicles is so that they can be checked on a regular basis, either by the patient themselves or by the doctor, because of a cancer risk. Now, the cancer risk is small. It's still a rare event, but it is significantly greater in boys who have undescended testicles than those who were born with their testicles down in the scrotum. So although many of the referring doctors send their patients in to see us for undescended testicles with the intent to bring them down to prevent cancer, the reality is very few of the boys actually develop cancer, but it's it's certainly a risk factor. The other reason we bring down testicles is for cosmetics, for body self-image. Young men who have one testicle may be somewhat apprehensive to have relations with women. They may feel a little self-conscious about themselves. So we bring down testicles so that there's symmetry. They have two testicles in the scrotum. Many boys who are born with one testicle or who lose a testicle as young men or young adults come to us so that we can put in an artificial testicle just so that they have a cosmetic symmetry to their scrotum. So that's a primer on undescended testicles and why we do what we do. So getting back to this patient, this patient identifies as a girl There have been no puberty blockers given to this patient as yet, nor any hormones given. No surgery was done, nor has it yet been contemplated or requested. And the question was what to do about this undescended testicle. Now, this should not be a dilemma. I've just just gotten through telling you why testicles that are not in the scrotum should be brought down. But yet, here we are. This is a dilemma in 2022 with a patient just like this. 
someone I have never encountered, a problem I've never had to deal with in over a 35-year career doing pediatric urology. This testis cannot be left alone, again, for the reasons that I have shared with you. So the choices would be to either remove the testicle, which I am not prepared to do in a 10-year-old, that's not the business that I'm in, or to bring this testicle down into the scrotum where it should have been, where it belongs, and where there would be no question about doing if this was the typical boy that I see every single day in my office who comes in with this problem. Now, if this child decides to proceed with transitioning to a girl, then at some point, this testicle and the one in the scrotum will likely need to be removed. Not by me. Not under any circumstances will I do this, but somebody will in the future. But this child may change their mind and remain a boy. And if this is the case, then this testicle absolutely needs to be brought down to preserve its ability to function. Right now it's impacted. There's probably diminished spermatogenesis, which is the process of producing sperm, but it's still likely retained. But if this operation does not get done and the patient decides to remain a boy, then this testicle will be a liability for the reasons I've already enumerated, cancer risk and lack of uh, sperm producing function. And if this child is now an older teenager, there's a very good chance that this testicle will need to be removed by me because this boy now has a useless testicle in the wrong position. My recommendation to this family was to do what the standard of care would be for any genetic male with an undescended testicle. Gender dysphoria notwithstanding, and that would be to bring this testicle down into the scrotum now. Now, it should come as no surprise that this child turned out the way that they did. The parent that brought this child in does not identify as a man or a woman. I think that this was a woman that brought this child in, a genetic woman. But this person had blue hair, a beard, and those enormous barrels in their ears that deform the earlobes. I'm sure you've seen many people walking around with them. So this parent was not a typical appearing parent. And now you've got a child being raised by a parent like this, and there's nothing for them to relate to. And of course, they're going to be confused. Of course, there's going to be ambiguity in their minds, in their lives. Now, the family heard my recommendation, and they're deciding now how to proceed which they'll let us know about after meeting with their, quote, support team. 
And that's where we are today in 2022. I discussed this case with several experts, including my partners, who agreed with my management decision, with my recommendations. I also discussed this with a friend who's a child psychiatrist. And her take on this is that, unfortunately, we are normalizing this behavior. This is not an outlier anymore. This is being normalized. Instead of treating each case as an individual, we are making this behavior a normal occurrence on a widespread scale. Now, why all of a sudden is this issue exploding, you may ask, and I ask myself that on all, all the time. Where were all of these patients in the past? Were they hiding in a closet and cross-dressing? Were they, they certainly are not your typical gay and lesbian crowd because I don't think the gay and lesbian population thinks very highly of the transgender crowd. Could it be that there were this many people who felt that they were trapped in the wrong body? It just does not seem possible. It does not seem plausible to, to, to hypothesize this. It's one thing to be inclusive and accepting, but it's an entirely different matter to force an issue on everyone else, to create something that is so against the norms and try to normalize it and tell everybody else who doesn't accept it that they are the ones in the wrong, that they are the abnormal ones. The socialists, and I've talked about this all the time, they seek to destroy our society and they wish to replace it with their vision of what a country should look like. They hate our country. They hate you and me. Anybody who is a traditionalist, they hate us. They hate freedom. They hate the freedoms that our citizens enjoy. They hate God. They want to have a government that controls everything in our lives. They want it to control speech, assembly, thought, They want to strip us of our freedom to express our ideas. They want to take away our ability to defend ourselves. They want to take your money away from you. They believe that they're entitled to your economic output. And it's only because of their generosity do you get to keep some of it. Remember Barack Obama? Remember when he said, you didn't build that business? That's the mentality that we are talking about. You you were only successful because somebody built the road and somebody um, built the um, the car that got you to your to your um, factory. You're not responsible. You're you're not the one through your hard work that created the success that you achieved. 
It's all due to someone else. That is leftist thinking. That is social socialism. In order to further this agenda, these agendas, there needs to be a breakdown of society. Nobody would accept this if everything was great and if people were happy. It's only by sowing discord and creating chaos that these ideas can take hold. There needs to be lawlessness, and we've seen that for, for crying out loud. How, how, how many buildings did we need to see Antifa burn? Or how many cities did we need to see them take over? Or Black Lives Matter? They're all the same. The Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they're all socialists. Or seeing all the smash and grab robberies and normalizing it and saying it's okay. And not only that, but putting district attorneys into positions where they just let these criminals go scot-free immediately after being arrested, only to do it again and again and again. There needs to be a breakdown of order for the left to succeed. That can only happen by opening our border and allowing a torrent of humans coming across the border to create disorder in our country and bringing along with it drugs that will kill our citizens that are so lethal that now schools are putting in boxes, emergency boxes, like break the glass boxes with Narcan in it because just a few, uh, a gram of fentanyl that's, um, that has gotten aerosolized and is floating in the air can cause someone to die on the spot if it gets into their system. The left, left needs to censor information to be successful. Because if people actually learned all about this, about this diabolical plan, they wouldn't accept this. And I have friends and family who are totally ignorant about what's going on. And when I tell them some of the things that we see happening, some of the things that I've just talked about, the things that I have talked about, and people in conservative commentary have talked about, they think that I'm crazy. They think that I'm a conspiracy theorist, that I'm nuts. They're, they're totally in the dark because they just don't know. They don't hear anything because of the censorship, the cover-up, the suppression of information. We have seen that. We've seen that in totalitarian states <coughs> in this, it, just in this past century. And we continue to see it in this century in totalitarian regimes. In China, where they have censored information. In Iran, where the population doesn't get any outside information. The left needs to 
<coughs> achieve their goals by creating a foreign policy that weakens us and allows the ascendancy of our enemies, both directly as in the Iran deal or the China policy giving our oil reserves to China. Again, information that the people who get their news from mainstream media have no idea is happening. Or even going back a few years, because this is not a new movement, the Russians obtaining 20% of our uranium thanks to Hillary Clinton. These are the policies that weaken our country directly. It's also being weakened further by decimating our military, reducing our capability to defend ourselves, and putting in policies that are... um, that are driving people out of our military and weakening it and taking money away from the defense spending and giving it away to other countries to to defend themselves in this past omnibus bill it's a, it's a it's not the omnibus it is the the uh it it is the i don't know what it is but it is it is a bill that pledged money to defend countries and secure borders of countries in the Middle East when we're not securing our own. The left policies need to destroy our ability to support our own economy, our economy, our, our energy sector where we are self-reliant instead of reliant on the enemies around the world who seek to destroy us and are the ones that are now providing us with the energy that we need to to um, just get through life on a regular basis. There needs to be a division of our population in order for the left to succeed. So instead of uniting... They divide. They promote false narratives that creates friction between groups. Black Lives Matter, um, creating a false narrative that, that the, um, that, that there's a, a conspiracy against the black population. It's led to, um, more violence in, within even the black communities than, than there were before this narrative took hold. We're seeing Asian violence. We're seeing a rise of anti-Semitism. And it's all being blamed on the right when in fact it's the left that are the ones that are, that are promoting this and creating these narratives and causing this to happen because it's the only way that they can succeed. The best and most palatable way to move their agenda and the tool that they use is to promote wokeism. Once called political correctness, this movement has gone far beyond the stage of political correctness and anything that is not part of the leftist agenda needs to be vilified, 
It needs to be squashed and it needs to be expunged. You need to destroy any, any remnant that any ideas that are not theirs existed. This is exactly the same mentality that took hold with Iran and with ISIS coming in and destroying every remnant of history and starting new. There's, you can't have history because it reminds people about what was good and what was, what got us to where we are today and they cannot have this. And this is what I've given a lot of thought to because transgenderism, wokeism, these are not disconnected. They're all part of the plan. They're all meant to destabilize our society. Because, again, without doing this, they will fail. So, young people today are being indoctrinated. They're being indoctrinated in schools. Not just in government schools. It's happening everywhere including all of the major universities in this country. And it's permeated into medical schools. It's like a cancer. And it's making our country sick. And it's happening right under our noses. And our kids think that all of these woke positions are actually the norm, and they're good. And those who oppose them are the deviants. We're the devils. Our society is becoming like the Lord of the Flies. And the young people who are being indoctrinated, who are being brainwashed, are doing the bidding of the puppeteers on the left who've created the system that have brainwashed them. I just, actually, we are on a hard break right now, it looks like. Our producer has been so taken up by what I've been talking about that he has lost sight of time. So we're going to take a short break and we will be back to finish this, uh, what I hope is a very interesting and revealing conversation about wokeism and the left. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge, and we are having what I hope is a very revealing uh, discussion or monologue about about the left and their dastardly plot to take down the country by... Um, using wokeism as their means, their tool to do it. I I said before the break about how it has really crept into schools to brainwash our young people who then go out and are the leaders who then make policy and, uh, and believe that this is the norm and, and, uh, and I, I want to share with you a an interview that was um, published in the Healthcare News. I've already talked about this publication on previous shows. Uh, it's it's published by the Heartland Institute, and <clears throat> this was <clears throat> a a uh, very interesting article entitled "Medical Students Pressed to Go Woke," <clears throat> and. This was a interview with a a student who did not want his name identified. He is a uh, a member of the Benjamin Rush Institute, which you've heard me talk about before. It's a it's a, one of our um, partner groups that we've worked with for over a decade, and the Benjamin Rush Institute is. Um, a uh, an organization <clears throat> that is devoted and dedicated to going to medical uh, schools and teaching medical students about various alternative practice models and to be able to allow them to think more critically about what they're being taught in medical school because what they're being taught in medical school is again the agenda that the left is trying to plant in their brains and brainwash them. So I wanted to kind of paraphrase this <clears throat> interview just to give you an idea of the of the extent, the depth of what is happening in our education system which has now unfortunately got in into medical schools which is a very ominous prospect because this is going to in a very short time, translate into a woke agenda in healthcare. We're already seeing it, but as these medical schools produce more and more doctors who are thinking this way, who are believing that this is the norm, <clears throat> it is going to have a profound impact on everyone's healthcare by that is being delivered by the next generation and generations to come of doctors unless we can put a stop to this. So 
the Healthcare News wanted to learn more about the Benjamin Rush Institute and about chapters uh, um, that teach about free market models. So the interviewer asked the student, are chapters welcome on the campus? And mind you, this was a a student in a school in Oklahoma, one of the reddest states in the country. The student said medical schools in more liberal states won't let students organize a chapter. Um, Benjamin Rush Institute recently sent emails to a group of medical students about an upcoming info session on direct primary care. That was the meeting that we just put on in Dallas. A school administrator found out about it and emailed everyone in the group warning them that Benjamin Rush Institute is a radical, right-wing, conservative group and urged students not to engage. Healthcare News said, do you think that you must watch what you say or do? The student replied, they assume everyone is on board with their agenda. The students in my lab, for example, who participated in protests over defunding transgender surgery assumed everyone agreed with them and would participate. Excuse me. Healthcare news. How is it that medical school students are mostly woke? The medical student replied, many of them come from conservative families but are brainwashed in college. And now they're indoctrinated in schools starting earlier and earlier in high school and in in middle school. And um, I saw a change in the four years I was in college. Healthcare News, what is medical school teaching about the, quote, trans, end quote, movement? Medical student, we've had to take an entire semester in clinical medicine on gender. We had to learn all the genders and sexual orientations. We had to learn about the pronouns, including simulated conversations with patients about their pronouns. We are taught to use, quote, assigned at birth, end quote, when describing biological sex. And some of the lectures use the term chest feeding to describe breastfeeding. As for the treatments, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone treatments, we are taught that they are harmless and reversible. This is what really worries me because our next generation of doctors will be treating patients with this kind of training. Healthcare news. If you challenge this thinking, could it impact your career? medical student. A lot of people don't realize it, but the higher profile residency programs have paid staff whose job it is to scrub social media platforms and perform Google searches to learn about what applicants have posted. They say it is to address, quote, professional, end quote, concerns, but it's likely to identify the social justice warriors and make sure that they pick someone who won't rock the boat. We are aware of what happened to physicians who spoke out on the pandemic, for example, and what happened with their licenses being threatened. Healthcare news. Starting in 2022, the step one exam, 
which is taken at the end of the second year of medical school and used as a criteria in selecting medical students for residency programs, became a pass-fail test. There is also a push to get more diversity in medical school admissions. What impact do you think these changes will have in attracting the best candidates to be our future doctors, medical student? We are lowering the bar. Um, I applied a few years ago to medical school, and most of my essays were diversity-based. I felt like I was simply writing to what they wanted to hear. Some of it was vague, like a list of diversity factors that could define me. And it goes on. The point is that this is what's happening in medical schools all around the country. And it's not just in medical schools. What's, there's another article in, in here. And I, I, this is, this is so, so timely because this, I just got the news yesterday in the mail. I was planning on giving this talk for a week and this just came and I thumbed through it and there are articles about, about the, the demise of our healthcare Due to wokeism, U.S. News and World Reports are developing hospital wokeness rankings, and they are going to rank hospitals based on health equity rankings. And these include racial disparities in unplanned readmissions to hospitals. Um, it's going to be based on preventative care for black residents. They're actually making a distinction based on race. Um, they are looking at all these aspects of health care that have nothing to do with health care, but are totally woke defined. And hospitals are succumbing to this. And it is dangerous and it is going to hurt our health care system with this permeating into healthcare. <clears throat> so, let's go back to transgender. It's not always been here. It hasn't. This is a creation of the leftists to further destabilize our norms, as I said in the last segment. There may have been an individual here or there, but never to this degree. And we are praying, that's like pray, not not prayer, but praying on the confusion of young people who naturally go through phases of gender confusion. And most of these individuals go through this phase and they have healthy lives as the g- gender that they were born when they get through this confusing phase. And when there are people along the way who believe differently, who are guiding them, who are trying to create discord in their lives, and they don't let these young people transition through this phase of confusion, which is natural and very well-known psychiatrists who have paved the way for psychiatry, have described this phenomenon. And when they don't, these these despicable people don't allow individuals to go through this phase and encourage them to remain in this state of confusion, they get stuck. And they are 
actually hurting these individuals. They're not helping these individuals. And who are these people who are giving these young people with gender confusion the advice along the way to lead them in the wrong direction? The people who are being indoctrinated and brainwashed in the medical schools, just as I as I got through telling you. These young people are being victimized. And we see so many people, so many young people who do make it through this phase. And for many of them, it's, it's too late because they've already received puberty blockers, which are not benign. They have received hormone treatment. And by the way, you've got now the American Academy of Pediatrics on board with this, saying that it's okay to give puberty blockers. It's okay to give hormones. These are the, the, this is the organization that should be protecting children. And they are turning their backs on them for the sake of wokeism. And they have knelt at the altar of the left to allow these young people with gender confusion to to do whatever they're now thinking, which is not necessarily what is the best thing for them, but these leftists are pushing this on these young people. And God forbid they get surgery before they go through this stage. They, that's, that's irreversible. More people have committed suicide or have become drug addicts or alcoholics who have regretted going through a transition and getting stuck at that transition instead of working their way through it than those who felt that they were quote, trapped in the wrong bodies. But the left does not care about these individuals. They don't care about any individuals. They don't care about the black population or the Hispanic population or the poor or whomever. They don't care about individuals. They care about their agenda, about winning at all costs. Even if it costs people their lives or their mental health. Again, it's about destabilizing society, and we've seen that in men in women's bathrooms or in locker rooms, men competing in women's sports. This is all designed to create chaos. And if you disagree with that, if you are a traditionalist, you are the one that is a despicable person for not recognizing this. This effort by the left has escalated. Now it's involving government schools getting in between children and their parents. Schools around the country are secretly assisting children in transitioning without their parents' knowledge. In Massachusetts, one family is suing the Ludlow Public School System for violating their parental rights. The school officials were actively transitioning 
these parents' 11-year-old daughter and 12-year-old son without their parents' knowledge or consent and against their wishes. This behavior sends the message that parents do not have the best interests of their children in mind. But the schools and the teachers know better than parents do and have the right to step in if they believe this to be the case. The teachers of these children encourage them to adopt new names and pronouns without parental consent. They told the kids that they could use the bathroom and the locker room that matches their gender identity without their parents' knowledge. The kids' teacher appears to be a radical leftist and told other students, all students, that they were in reality non-binary and asked these students to refer to each other in non-binary terms. The teacher encouraged children to experiment with alternate gender identities, again, without notifying parents or obtaining parental consent. Who are these people teaching our children? It is more common than you would think. There are lawsuits filed by parents in almost every state in the country now regarding this behavior. Schools, school systems, teachers abetting the children, aiding and abetting them in transitioning without the knowledge of their parents. This problem is out of control. It needs to stop. And the doctors who participate in this process need to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable for treatments that they're using that can be irreversible. And yes, puberty blockers for this purpose can be irreversible. It's one thing to say you're going to use a puberty blocker in a child who has what we call in medicine precocious puberty. It means that they are developing faster than they should be for age. And that is a medical reason. The bones fuse, they close sooner than they should so they don't grow properly and they're and and they can have other complications. So those are children in whom puberty blockers are absolutely indicated for a medical purpose. But using them for this political purpose is despicable. It is reprehensible. And doctors who participate in this should be held accountable. But there's no way, no way, to measure the massive psychological harm that these doctors are inflicting on the children. They're claiming the psychological harm comes from not allowing them to transition and become the gender that they choose. It's just the opposite. Just like everything that the left says that is bizarre and that just is absolutely backwards, 180 degrees. This is another one of those left 
180 degree backwards concepts. It's because the leftist agenda has crept into the DNA of the people who have taken an oath to do no harm, the doctors, that they truly believe that they are not doing any harm to these children. But they most certainly are. Medical students are being pressured to go woke, as I shared with you from that article. And it is... um it is getting worse by by the day. We are at war with the left. It's a bloodless war. It's a war without battle lines that you can see. But make no mistake about it. We are at war with them. They hate us. They hate people who stand for traditional values. They want to do everything in their power to destroy our society and everything that we believe in and all who believe the way that we do. They don't want us, they don't want to convert us to their way of thinking. They want to destroy us. It is not a movement. Wokeism is not a movement. It's not an ideology. And that's where we fail in combating it. It is a soft instrument. It's a tool. It's a tool of the left. And they have become very adept at using it to undermine the fabric of our society. Now... Nowadays, they have an army of useful idiots who have been brainwashed to believe that wokeism is a movement. They can't see who is providing this ideology to them and why. But it doesn't matter because as long as you've got people whose religion now is wokeism, climate change, um, transgenderism, you name it. All of these, all of these policies, even COVID, all of these policies are part of the woke toolbox, part of the left agenda to undermine our society. It is the new political correctness, but it's gone far beyond just being politically correct. It's being politically um, divisive. It's been politically malevolent. All the while, it's they, the people who are carrying out this agenda, the army of young, useful idiots who are unable to see that the very things they accuse their opponents of is what they do routinely. Hate speech, intolerance, suppressing thoughts, that's what they accuse people on the right of. But this is their modus operandi, it's their agenda. And we will lose this war, most assuredly. We will lose 
unless we understand the goals of the left and the tactics that they employ. And unless we stand up to these tactics and fight back, we will have lost our country, we will have lost our freedom, and we will have lost our way of life. And that is what I have to say about what's happening with transgender. It took me a minute to understand that what we're seeing is not a, a, a tolerance issue. It is not a, a new movement. It is, it is a, a blunt instrument. A, a, uh, a minked covered hammer <clears throat> that the left is using to undermine everything that we stand for, everything that is good, that is right and wrong, that is, that, that is sensible, that, that, um, truly makes sense. And when we get to a point where nothing makes sense anymore, that's when the left will ascend, that's when they will win, and that's when everything will be irreversible. I think we've uh hit the skids on our show right now, and uh we are at the end of the at the end of the uh monologue, so I want to thank everybody for um uh, being with us today and always. I want to wish everybody a very, very happy new year. I am going to take a personal uh, day in two weeks and won't be here. I'm uh, just to share with you a personal inf- a piece of information. I am off to uh, a destination wedding for my son and uh, and most most uh, 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 happy about this and and uh, excited and and so looking forward to this. And so in my place, I'm going to ask my uh, good friend and former co-host, uh, Mike Karuchik, to sit in for me. He's been missing being behind the uh, docs, uh, the um, the doctor's lounge microphone. And uh, he will uh, be with you sharing some uh, interesting thoughts of his own. So thanks for being with us, and we will see you. I will be back with you in four weeks. Thanks for being with us. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.